love how you waited. You're trying to get us the E rating. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to get us the E rating. Bridget yells at me. Hey everybody, I'm Kai Rizdal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. It is Friday today, the first day of March, if you can believe that. I know, right? This year, it's it's going. Anyway, hi, I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you so much for joining us on our Friday podcast, which is our Economics on Tap. Welcome everybody who's joining us on the YouTube live stream, cocktails or mocktails in hand, I hope. And so, yeah, let's let's get going with our happy hour. This is so funny. I'm just reading the chat. It says, Jason Perringer says, Kai is doing this final note on the way out on Marketplace today, so we should be good to go. And I'm like, wow, that's so weird that I'm here and the show is on the air and you're there and we're doing this. Anyway, whatever. In DC, it airs right as we're, uh, it ends just as we're starting. So sometimes I'm listening to you literally as you're sitting down. That's really funny. Um, so it's also weird. When I first got this job, my mother was, this is a true story. I called my mother on the way home one day and it was when Marketplace was airing where she was, which was like South Bay, Connecticut mm-hmm. at that point. And she was like, how can you be here and on the radio at the same time? It was really funny. I'm like, mom, <laughs> mom, 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 mom. It's mom. a recording. <laughs> yes, she no longer, she no longer asks those questions. Um, anyway, we're going to do what we do on a Friday, some news. We're going to take a break uh, and then a little half full, half empty. We'll also talk drinks. Uh, this is a cocktail show for uh, one Kimberly Adams, a, a, uh, a, a zine cocktail show. Kimberly, what are you having? Yes. Yes. So hopefully everybody read our Make Me Smart newsletter today. And if you didn't get it, you can also go online. The newsletter is up on the website. But you should subscribe if you haven't already because it's great. And if you are subscribed to the newsletter, you would have already received a copy of our new unofficial state cocktails guide, which has our favorite listener submitted and voted cocktails from all the different states and including some non-alcoholic cocktails, which I'm looking forward to trying, but not doing that today. And so you can get a copy of that by signing up for our newsletter at Make Me Smart. Sorry, marketplace.org slash smarter is where you can get that newsletter. All right. So I originally had planned to make from the zine the No Gin Ricky, (laughs) which was the DC cocktail, which I was very excited about, but I did not have the ingredients for it in my house and I didn't get my life together uh, early enough in order to pull that together. So instead, I made the Alaska cocktail, which is the duck fart. No, yes. for reals? I did. I happen to have wow. all of the ingredients for duck fart. I'm looking uh, to get, I had, a, I had the link to the zine up. I'm looking at the newsletter now. But anyway, I'm sure they'll drop it in the in the slack. Anyhow, the duck fart looks like this for those watching on YouTube. I imagine I could have done the layers a little bit better, but I did my best. So it's got Kahlua and then Bailey's and then whiskey. And you like pour it in on top of a spoon so you can get these cool layers. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by this combination. Um, It says you're supposed to take it like a shot, but I'm not gonna do that. No, that's ridiculous. (laughs) That's a huge shot. That would be a huge shot. <laughs> um, and also, like, I don't shot. know about that flavor combo. But anyway, here I go. Oh, you're just you're going to are you going to sip it? What are you going to do? How are we doing? Oh, my oh, God. I guess I will Ooh. do it like a shot. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. That was good, actually. 
it kind of um, has like an espresso martini vibe. So uh, yeah, I can yeah, see that. Makes would recommend. Sense. Would wow, recommend. Good for you. Whew. The problem <clears throat> is it's over so fast that you should like line up like three of them. That would be quite the podcast. That that would be quite the podcast. That'd be entertaining Listeners for everyone. Producers would really enjoy it. <laughs> I would get a kick out of it. Uh, just what are you drinking? Uh, I'm just having a beer. I'm having uh, this is literally what was in the fridge because I, I I went to my local Piggly Wiggly and I had a six pack of beer in my hand. And of course, you can't do self checkout because uh, you know law. Uh, and their systems were down. I don't and they were only taking this. cash. What do you mean? You can't. Well, do, do you not have self checkout machines? We do. But right. you can and so you can't do alcohol. You can't, you can't do self checkout. Yeah, they just come and check your. No, you, no, they no, just no, come no. check your ID. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, in D.C., you can do self-checkout you, with alcohol. You, they just come and send an associate over to check your ID. You, you get you get frowned at and say, and told, sir, I'm sorry, I can't do that here. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. all right, California. Um, unless, unless it's one of the uh, employees who you know, and then they'll slide <laughs> you sort of in the side, and they're like, Psst, come here, I got you, I got you, right? Uh, but otherwise, <laughs> you got to sure wait in line. You. Well, I mean, you know, I go, there are days I'm in that damn grocery store like three times. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, but their computers were down. And mm -hmm. so uh, they were only taking cash. And who the hell carries cash these days? You probably do. You, of course, you carry cash. <laughs> yeah, of course. Sorry. Never. I we had this whole conversation about black know, women in cash. Come on. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. But, you know, that's interesting. I w well, the conversation about black women in cash was keeping cash in reserve at the house, right? It wasn't carrying around with you in person. That's true. It was. It but was. I, but I imagine you as a as a the sky is going to collapse, and I don't want to be caught unawares. You will only you will carry cash, and if you could carry a gold bar, you would carry a gold bar, right? I would not carry a gold bar. I carry gold cash. Coins, I would perhaps. say like fifty percent of the time. Oh. Uh, I hmm, would I carry gold coins if I had them? Maybe if I had like a secret pouch, only because it like lives in sort of like the realm of my steam steampunk like, you oh, know, so image of yeah. myself yeah. of like yeah. having all the pockets yeah. and all the little, you know, yep. secret secret stash places. But you know, yep. maybe then, but no, not normally. No, <laughs> Anywho, let's fair let's enough. look at what folks are uh, drinking in the chat. What which beer was right, it, well, by the well, way? Oh, I'm having a, a Modern Times uh, Orderville Hazy IPA, 7.2 ABV, for those of you who are curious. Uh, you know what's really funny? It's uh, There's what? a lot of people talking about cash and and carrying credit cards and all that jazz. We've skipped right past drinks, and everybody's talking about whether <laughs> they carry cash or not. Should we do some news? We should do some news. Right. Okay. Uh, I've got uh, one that's a bit more serious, oh, but they're both kind of serious. So we've talked a bunch on this show about uh, the shoplifting air quote epidemic in the United States. And, you know, I was yeah. one of the people who brought uh, the articles about uh, big corporations saying that they were having to adjust their earnings and adjust their strategies because of all the shoplifting. And then we also talked about all of the reporting that came after saying that they were making it up or exactly. Right exaggerating it wildly. And there is a really interesting long read in the Washington Post um, with the headline, The Zombie CVS, A Late Capitalism Horror Stories story. And it's about this one CVS in, here in DC that had 
that sort of got caught up in this narrative and it very famously had these empty shelves and it was all over the news as like see there's so much shoplifting that even in DC this democratic city in the nation's capital they can't get their stuff together and that's why the CVS is empty and this particular CVS mm. was indeed had a lot of empty shelves they're finally shutting it down um, but this article goes into the very nuanced reasons why this particular CVS in this particular spot ended up the way that it was and how that plus a Whole Foods in San Francisco kind of became these symbols but didn't really tell the story that people wanted it to tell. Mm -hmm. And so it shut down this week. And, you know, I'm just going to read a little bit of it. First, yeah. there are the economic factors triggering human need. Joblessness, inflation, a slow recovery from the pandemic. There have also been changes to how police officers do their job. A dearth in active policing that started in the pandemic combined with efforts to use alternative forms of crime deterrent. But none of those alternatives were really implemented effectively or as effectively as they could have been. That dovetailed with CVS policy. Like many retailers, the drugstore chain employs security guards but instructs them not to pursue shop lifters. Meanwhile, in Washington, city officials say they've seen observed a rise in organized retail crime, which involves theft of items to be resold on the street. And there's also apparently another CVS in a Target like a block away. So there was very little incentive mm. for, you know, this company to do much different. So it's a long read, but it really is a very thoughtful consideration of this uh, debate that's been going on mm -hmm. for, for so many months about shoplifting in this country. So loved that story. Also, I yeah, felt like good. since this podcast in particular moved to daily during the pandemic to yeah. talk about the pandemic news, I had to mark this moment of the CDC no longer recommending Americans stay home from work or school for five days after testing positive for COVID-19. Did I miss that? Yeah. Yeah, this came out today. today. Seriously? Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, my God. God this is new guidance. Well, it, it's, it, it's sort of been tacit. Up until now, this uh, I'm going to read here mm -hmm. from The Hill. The new guidance aligns COVID recommendations with other respiratory viral illnesses such as flu and RSV. The simplified guidance recommends that even if they don't know what virus is causing the illness, people should stay home when they're sick and symptomatic and well, resume normal activities true. if their symptoms have been improving and they mm -hmm. are fever-free for at least 24 hours without any medication. So yeah. as predicted for a very long time, they're treating COVID-19 like the flu. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, as this article says, it's still an important health threat, the agency said, but it is no longer the emergency it once was. I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there with long COVID who would beg to differ, and a lot of people with uh, who are immunocompromised who are not going to love seeing this um, change. I do think that some of our behaviors are changed permanently. I still wear a mask every time I get on public transportation, every time I get on a plane. And hmm. I don't know that I'm ever gonna stop doing hmm. that. Um, but then I get COVID like when someone looks at me wrong, because I think I've had it oh, like five you? times uh, now. Oh I my just... God, seriously? And you've never had it, have you? 
I had it once because I usually work through COVID. Like, <laughs> I, I, I tested I tested positive with the faintest of possible faint extra lines. Went upstairs in my bedroom, sat up there for, alone for like thirty six hours. Uh, mm -hmm. Did another test, negative. Did another test after that, negative. Went and got a PCR, negative. So I don't even know what happened. I'll like, again, look at somebody wrong and end up with these like wow. bright purple lines. And wow. Um, wow. I just, I don't know. My, my immunity is garbage. Okay. But I mean, I feel lucky, knock on wood, that I haven't had some of the um, symptoms of yeah, long COVID of that a lot of people are really sure. struggling with. Um, and for thank sure. God for, you know, healthcare and everything like that. Yeah. Very fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. But I just wanted to mark this moment, you know. Uh, That's wild. They're treating COVID like yeah. the flu. Here we are. Just be, be smart out there. Just be smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's mine, um, and it's, uh, you know, Elon Musk has, from me on this podcast, gotten his fair share of abuse, but he did something yesterday that I think is really interesting and probably a good thing. So Musk and uh, a guy by the name of Sam Altman and one other guy co-founded OpenAI in 2015. Mm -hmm. Musk basically bankrolled it because he was a gazillionaire. <clears throat> and they uh, agreed, uh, according to legend and also a court case filed today, that they were going to do it for the benefit of humanity that's the quote mm -hmm. musk and we all know about OpenAI. we know that microsoft has invested bajillions of dollars we know about the whole saga of sam altman and and what they're going to do musk yesterday sued OpenAI, saying that they have broken the compact that they had in that founding agreement to make it for the benefit of, of humanity and not for the benefit of a single company now Microsoft yeah. is into OpenAI to the tune of something like $10 billion. And let's caveat here that the corporate structure of OpenAI is really complicated. There is a nonprofit on top, and then the for-profit part of OpenAI that actually makes the software that everybody's going crazy about is a subsidiary of that. It's a very long and, and complicated thing to draw out. I actually was at a conference of, of tax attorneys and nonprofit executives yesterday, and this was one of their big hullabaloo issues is how OpenAI is structured. But hmm. the point of me bringing this up is for all of the damage that I think Elon Musk has done, whether it's Twitter, whether it's the challenges that uh, he has had running Tesla, and by challenges I mean terrible behavior toward employees, uh, he's a subject of a class action suit now by uh, black workers at Tesla. Um, hmm. He's been all over the place with with employee relations. He's doing great things at SpaceX, but that's really Gwen Shotwell, who's actually running that company. I think this lawsuit is actually a really good thing because hmm. maybe, maybe it will, res will result in us thinking more closely about what it is that OpenAI and all the rest of them are doing. It might not, but somebody had to take a stand and say, you know what, this isn't what we agreed to a mere eight years ago, and let's have this discussion. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, I don't trust Elon Musk. No, and you shouldn't so trust Elon Musk. I don't trust his Musk. motives either. Um, yeah, sure. But also, totally. it reminds me of Google's sort of do no evil Mm -hmm. And yep, it lasts until it doesn't. Well, uh, well, mm, go ahead. Sorry. 
There was a moment when, uh, remember when they tried to fire, well, they did fire Sam Altman. They did fire, And yeah. there was that whole thing. And we talked about it afterwards and we're saying that, are we going to look back and say this is the moment when AI, when generative AI kind of had this divergent path where if it had mm -hmm. gone one direction, it would have been for the public good and sort of very socially minded and, and for the benefit of humanity. And if it had gone the other direction, it would have been all about sort of corporate and capitalism and money and, mm -hmm. and just profit seeking. And it went the direction of the latter. This reminds me of that and Musk is saying that itself is the violation. But it's coming from someone who does all the things that he does. So I'm, I'm just real sus. <laughs> yeah, all. look, no, look, I, I totally agree. And one, one is completely right to be skeptical of, of Musk's motives, which we can't possibly mm. know at this moment. Here's my response right. to the comparison of, of Google and Don't Be Evil, right? Because we all saw that back in the day and, and mm -hmm. we saw what Google has become and what Google has done. And we're all like, oh, come on, you guys are full of it, right? This, right. though, is if... So Sergey Brin and Larry Page, the two founders of Google, came up with the whole don't be evil thing. What's happening mm -hmm. with, with OpenAI in this lawsuit now is if one of those two, if Sergey Brin had, had left the organization and gone to do something else and then seen what Larry Page was doing, this is a hypothetical, with Google and said, I'm going to sue you because this is not what we agreed upon. You are actually doing evil. So it's one of the mm -hmm. founding members, the founding um, partners coming back and saying, wait a minute, let's think this through. Look, I, I've been as 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 uh, uh, derogatory about Elon Musk as anybody I can think of, right? He's just, he's done mm -hmm. so many terrible, terrible things. But this might be a good thing? I don't know. Yeah, and you know, this is something we run into all the time, uh, this question of can we ascribe good things to people who are perceived as inherently bad, right? right. I, right. I get this totally. a lot of times when I try to talk about Trump policies that uh, did good, which there are mm -hmm. some. There are some mm -hmm. policies yep. that uh, the Trump that happened totally. under the Trump administration happened only because of former President Trump that did meaningful good things for people, and yep. some folks just don't want to hear it. They Definitely. cannot hear it. And I, you know, I don't want to end up in that camp either. So, yeah. Oh totally boy, right. lots anyway. of stuff today. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, I think. Lots of stuff. Yeah. I yeah. think. It's I think what Kimberly thinks. We should. We should be done with the news. Uh, take a break, <laughs> uh, and then when we come back, half full, half empty. Here we go. Yes. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. 
So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Okay, we are back and we're going to play our very fun game, Half Full, Half Empty, hosted by our very fun Drew Jostad. Drew, take it away. Oh, that's so kind of you. Um, More fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Stephanie Hughes talked this week to a theater uh, manager outside of Chicago who's doing a Dune-themed cocktail this weekend. Are you half full or half empty on movie-themed drinks? Oh, that's not where I thought this was going. Okay. I mean, that's obvious. You know I love a theme. And for the people who have asked in uh, sl- in Discord and, and the chat about Cherry Blossom, yes, it's coming. Uh, I am half full on the Dune-themed cocktails and movie-themed cocktails in general. I'm all for it. Give me a good theme. I will uh, run with I, it. I, I am agnostic. I have no strong feelings either way. I don't generally participate in those themed uh, gatherings. It's just not my gig. I really thought this was going to be a question about Dune. Are you looking forward to it or mm. not? Well, are you? Well, so this is very interesting. So Mm. I have for, for, so my my second son, uh, who who still lives at home until he can figure out a way to get the hell out of the house, but that's a whole different story, um, (laughs) is a a big Dune guy, has been all over me about going with him to see Dune 2, which, as we know, opened today or yesterday, whatever it was. Kai, can I pause and just acknowledge how many parents would like give their left arm to have their child at that age Let, want to go and do something with them want to go to the <laughs> movies with them so yes. i need you to like note okay. that look, that I, you I, were look I, I, I do I, I, and, and, and i literally i i actually literally have a speech that i do to various organizations in which the 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 humanizing story at the top is me going to see the Lumineers at uh, the Hollywood Bowl with the same son. But okay. this is not that. And and look, I, I treasure him, and I'm so glad he's in the house, but he's 22, and it's time <laughs> for him to get the hell out of here, and he knows it too, but that's a whole different story. Anyway, so he's a big Dune fan, saw Dune 1, loved it. I'm like, oh, man, it's weird, sand, this, what, worms, monsters. Also, Timothy Chalamet, way overrated. Give me a break. So Dune 2 comes and is opening. He's like, Dad, let's go see Dune 2. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to see Dune 2. Jesus. So a week ago, he and my wife sit down to watch Dune 1 because she had never seen it either. And she's like, oh, I really liked it. And we're going to go see Dune 2. The and new so Dune yesterday, 1, not the original Dune 1. No, no, no. The, 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 first, the first version of Denis Villeneuve's thing. Okay, right? cool. Got it. Yeah. All right. So so, uh, so my wife has seen the first ver- the first half of this you know, Dune thing, which is going to be like a multi-partner. Mm-hmm. Aiden has seen it. And they're like, both, we love it. And we're going to go see Dune 2 on Saturday, my daughter's babysitting. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I, am I going to be the loser who sits around at home on Saturday because I don't want to go see this movie? So I, last night, start watching the first half of Dune. I don't even, it's like a multi-partner, right? And, and I didn't hate it. I did hate Timothy Chalamet, but that's a whole different thing. Um... <laughs> But but I but I did I, he's just so bland. But uh, I didn't hate the movie. I didn't hate the movie. I did fall asleep after an hour 
But it was 9.45, and I'd been up since 4 o'clock in the morning, so that's not unusual. That's so, fair. So, long story short, long story short, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to go see the next hour and a half of that movie, and then tomorrow night I'm going to go see Dune 2, which is what I thought this question was going to be about. Boy, that's a long answer. Let's go. Next. <laughs> Jesus. Next. Sorry. All right. According to Challenger Gray and Christmas, 200 CEOs stepped down in January. That's after over 1,900 last year. Are you half full or half empty on a CEO great resignation? Change is good. I have no problem with that. Half full. Um, I, is this half full on it happening or half full on whether it's a good or bad thing? I'm guessing good or bad thing. Um Half full also. Uh, I agree with Kai. Change is good and hopefully yeah. change for the better. I mean, we yep. there, there needed to be a purge, shall we say, in a lot of industries. Yeah. A, a lot of companies. Totally. Absolutely mm -hmm. agree. All right. Um, this week, Disney announced a joint venture worth $8.5 billion with Indian company Reliance Industries to bring a streaming service to carry, among other things, cricket and Bollywood films are you half full or half empty? Yeah, they're spending like $8 billion. I think I heard that on David's show this morning, on the morning show. I mean, look at the size of India. Right, <laughs> to a, oh, totally. That's a 100%. huge market that's increasingly coming online and getting better access to infrastructure and the internet, uh, more disposable income. If I were Disney, I'd be making that move too, if I were smart enough. So half full. Um, yeah. I'm, you know... I, I love a good Bollywood film. Let, give me the drama. Give me the dancing. I'm here for it. There Cricket. Eh. Yeah, what can believe I don't it. understand it. All right. We got one more. Okay. okay so oh, this is, this is the, the poll? poll. Oh, my God. I yes. lost track. All right. This is the poll. All right. Folks in the YouTube chat, get ready to vote. And while you're there, feel free to give us a little thumbs up. You know, the likes, the follows, all the things. Let's do it. Okay. All right. There was a story in the Wall Street Journal this week about people going on vacation not to do Instagrammable adventures, but more just to relax. Are you half full or half empty on the rise of the do nothing vacation? Oh, my God. Seriously? That's like <laughs> even a question? I don't think it's a what? question for you. I think it's a question for a lot of people. Okay. I mean, think Sorry. about the fact Sorry. that I, when I, I went I to Bhutan, my answer, didn't I? remember when I went to Bhutan and I posted <laughs> yes. the, the video from the airport and I was very excited and then I didn't mm -hmm. post anything else and you were like, where are all the pictures? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I was just having the trip, you know, um, yeah. because no, I... I, at first, I was like, I'm going to document this whole thing. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. And then I was just like, I think I just want to look at the mountains and, you know, run from the overly aggressive cows on the hike and, you know, deal with the leech situation, which was real unpleasant. But, you know, Ooh. also uh, beautiful country, beautiful country. Highly recommend not during leech season season ever. That's, There's that's a season for leeches? Yes, and and that's. I had many conversations with my therapist about the leeches. It was bad. <laughs> oh God! Bad. Oh my God! I'm so I'm so sorry. That sounds horrible. It was <laughs> truly that sounds horrible. Wait, I were you like in swamps? On this trip, no, we were in the mountains, and I learned that in tropical areas, leeches can rain from the trees onto you. But wait, you were in Bhutan. <laughs> I was, I was, and 
leeches oh can rain from the trees and climb up your hiking poles and climb up your pants and do oh all manner God. of awful things. Anyway, right, okay. there were certain things that I didn't document, but I still had a wonderful trip despite the leeches. And, um, you know, but I, I did sort Oof. of, I, I'm, I'm really torn on sort of the hyper documenting and sharing of images from trips because on the one hand, I don't want to enjoy my travels through the lens of a camera slash phone. On the other hand, as an older relative pointed out to me, um, there are a lot of people in my life who will never get to see the places that I see and never get to do the mm. things that I do. Mm. And their only chance to really know what that experience is like in a meaningful way is going to be through me. And so I mm. do try to do a little bit of that just for those folks who never are going to be able to see a place like that. They won't have to deal with the leeches, but they also won't be able to see the beautiful scenes that I saw. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind really of half and half. So we've got 196 uh, votes. Let's go ahead and yeah, close, the, close, close the poll. Oh, the question though was on do nothing vacations, not on documenting the vacations. That was an active vacation, but I'm all for a relaxing vacation, which runs completely yeah. counter to my sister, for example, who wants to like go, 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 do a million activities. And I'm oh, like, lovely. I want to go to the spa. I want to sit down. I want to read a book. So I'm half full on the do nothing vacation, as it are 87% of the people in the chat. Yeah, totally. I, I am all the way full on a do nothing vacation. Oh, my God. Yes. Give me a book and a beach and whatever. <clears throat> totally. Yes. And I'm so sorry 100%. that I've traumatized everyone in the chat with my leech story. You, you, you actually really kind of have. You, you really Someone have. says new irrational oh, fear well. unlocked. Look, I oh, um, well. I, 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 I sometimes fear. like feel on my neck and I'm like, is it still there? <laughs> oh, God. All right, Charlton, hit the sting. Jesus, get us out of here. Oh, my God. We're done. Leeches on the way out. Back on Monday. No leeches on Monday. In the meanwhile, no questions, comments, you know how to get them to us. Have you had a leech experience? Tell us. Voicemail. Don't. You be smart. <laughs> Email us at makemespartatmarketplace.org. Wow. <laughs> you're lucky you haven't heard about it till now, which tells you how long it took oh me to God. process well, this. Well, it's so weird that you were in Nepal and you're eating leeches. What the hell? Bhutan. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Charlton Thorpe, who's probably like scratching at himself now. Our intern is Talia Menchaka. <laughs> the team behind our Friday game, who are right now at this moment questioning their life choices, Emily McCune and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of the podcast. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand. I have no idea about the leech experience of any of those people. Hopefully God. it is zero. Hopefully it is a zero leech experience. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm God. so sorry, everyone. <laughs> we all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost to splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.